0: hey what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of big facts no cap the only podcast that's number one with mom bees and zombies I'm Adrian as always here with my co-host Paul let's get big factin', and let's get no capping big
1: facts no big facts no no cap big facts no big facts no no cap big facts no cap Cap. No cap. No. Cap. No cap. Mom bees. More like Yas Queen. Hey, come on. Uh I mean
0: not every mom bee is a queen. Sometimes they're, you know, solitary bees. I
1: was gonna ask you, can you give us some fun facts about mom bees? Um what kind of fun facts are you looking for? Well, I I didn't know about the solitary bee thing. Like, some bees aren't part of hives. They're kind of like... Did they used to be a part of a hive and they got, like, kicked out? Or is it just certain species don't do the hive thing?
0: So, solitary is the ancestral state. So, being social is derived. Uh, So, the vast majority of bee species are solitary. What? Yeah.
1: You're breaking my heart, man.
0: Um, I mean, I don't know why that breaks your heart. It just means that they're not living in a you know, derived family unit. They're just making it on their own.
1: Well, I just feel like that's the thing I know about bees is that, like, they're a hive. It's, like, kind of synonymous, like, working together. It's, like, being like bees. I don't know.
0: No, no, there's definitely single mom bees. Uh, I guess part of it is that, so bees have the whole spectrum of completely solitary to you know completely eusocial whereas ants only exist in colonies so that would be a correct assumption there they're all uh they all have derived sociality
1: now who got to decide that a beehive is a hive and an ant colony is a colony well you can also call
0: the bee colony
1: a colony a hive is like the structure mm-hmm. um
0: so like uh the the nest cavity is the hive the colony is the individuals that come together to form a colony
1: is there any Movement within the behavioral ecology biology field uh animal behavior all that all that mess y'all y'all are into is there any sort of movement mm-hmm. to uh decolonize the vocabulary <laughs> here? and no longer call them colonies.
0: oh, I thought you meant decolonize the colonies <laughs> we gotta decolonize bee science um. No, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, that is part Oh, of, you guys also uh, call where the queen lives the master bedroom? Piece no, shit. no. <laughs> we don't do that. Um, I bet you they called yeah, the they, worker
1: bees slave bees until like two years ago.
0: Th- there are slave-making ants where people do now in their articles kind of put asterisks of
1: like, maybe we shouldn't be using this language. <laughs> but they're still using it. They're like, maybe we should have. but <laughs> that would be too hard for this paper.
0: It's pretty ingrained in the literature, so sometimes it's hard. I think the example I have is uh, for a pop side thing. Nicole wrote an article about slave making ants, and she had like a thing at the end that was like, just so you know, here, there's a conversation going on about whether or not to name them this way anymore.
1: No, I think they're a perfect parallel to human slavery, and we should keep that name because I, it's a one to one parallel, no difference. I don't, you don't even know about slave making ants. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, you're correct. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so what I was saying is that bee colonies in, in, in their, in their socialness are just derived families, so, uh, maybe we could do a a nicer term than
1: colonies, something like a family band or something like that. Could you imagine Django Unchained taking place completely with ants instead? We call that bug's life.
0: Ooh. Um. You know, that movie's not scientifically accurate. Actually, the, uh, the, ants the can't queen talk? of that colony- No, that's not what I was going to say.
1: <laughs> because they can. those um, chemical signals, dumbass.
0: Yeah, I think they're leafcutter ants, so uh, the queen would be grotesquely larger than all of the other ants. It's like kind of gross when you actually see what they look like. Mm. Um, <laughs> not to body shame, uh, ant queens. Um, were there any other mom bee facts that you wanted to know? Yeah, do they love their kids? That's a tough question. I don't know if I can answer something about whether or not they feel love.
1: I want to go back to this independent bees are the more regular type of bees. How long ago did they evolve to form colonies or family structures? Oh, what is this, my QE? Uh,
0: (laughs) Sociality in bees probably evolved roughly six uh, million years ago. Yeah, I have no idea if that's true or not. It's probably not. (laughs) Yeah, that feels so recent. I feel like you're wrong. This is where I'm worst at is phylogeny and uh, large timescales. I'll tell you what, I got a large phylogeny. Hey, come on now. But yeah, like I think I've shown you before the bee houses that I make, little bee hotels that people put in their yards, those are for solitary bees, so it's just one bee that takes up one hole.
1: Now, can I ask you a question? In your uh, professional opinion, you as a scientist, do solitary bees have like a little swoop of hair over their front eye because they're more emo?
0: I I don't know if they would be considered more emo. I think they just kind of uh, yeah, they're more likely to have like a chain wallet because they're like a cool dude.
1: How do they find each other to mate? They just I guess probably just fly around around some flowers, see a fun yeah. How does anybody find it? somebody to mate? Bumble. Oh come on now, now that's funny. Come on, now. Come on, now.
0: Um, I did have a uh, I don't I I know you're not on the dating apps anymore, but I think uh, a new feature on Bumble is that you can just without even matching with somebody like send a compliment or a question. So I had someone um, ask me about my research on Bumble and I was like, uh, I don't know if this is a dating thing and this is like your strategy to try and get in. But I'm gonna tell you what the least attractive question you could ask me is tell me about your research.
1: (laughs) I don't think you understand how little I want to talk about my research at any given time. That's when you flip it on, I and mean, you're like, ah, I'm not really that interested about talking about my research. I'm more interested about researching your body.
0: Ooh, come on. I'm joking. Uh, Don't be that you only get... on
1: dating apps. <laughs> That's disgusting.
0: Certainly not on Bumble. No. Nah. Uh, no, they give you 24 hours to respond, and I, I didn't get around to it, so. Well, anyways, yeah. We should have, uh, we've so, uh, never done a. Uh... Oh, I did find out about a new dating app that I'd never heard of that Dorley was talking about the other day. Is for non-monogamous people. No, it's not for celebrities. She's not talking to Chandler from Chandler Bing. <laughs>
1: yes, that actor's name famously, Chandler Bing. Chandler Bing. Do you like the DJ uh, DJ Ross from Friends? DJ Ross? DJ Ross from Friends. DJ Ross? From Friends. Yeah, what, is there an episode where Ross is a DJ? No, that's just the name of a DJ. His name is DJ Ross from Friends. Oh,
0: I, well, that's purposely confusing, and I feel like you're using that to your advantage. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paula, did you have any experiential roundup?
1: This isn't funny, oh, say- it. This isn't like a little <laughs> joke we have. Go fuck yourself. This ain't a game. Go fuck uh, yourself. Happy 4th of July, by the way. Oh, yeah.
0: Early. God bless America. That's why our theme is patriotism, patriotic socialism.
1: Patriot what is it commun- communist MAGA MAGA communist whatever yeah. Ill people online talk about oh yeah you got the day off tomorrow yeah are you gonna Do still work tomorrow? out of uh, solidarity with the third world yeah are you gonna be like one of them how conservatives were for Juneteenth you're gonna be like I'm still working on July 4th to prove a point Have about you how that American it's, it's- imperialism have you heard that story on uh, Pete Holmes' podcast? No, what is
0: that? I can't. It's I can't remember. It's like John Gemberling or someone who kind of like reminds me of him. But the story is uh, that like it's him trying to say uh, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day to like some construction workers that like they just got the guy really made a point to be like, oh, we're working today, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> we're some of us are still working. Uh, that's a good <laughs> I point. think that's that's. That's the main quote from the story. It's just, we're working today, buddy! <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's one of the more famous uh, bits from that podcast, but anyways.
1: Why would you ever tell somebody, happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day? What an insane thing to wish a stranger. Like, that's something I say ironically to a friend, because everybody knows it's not one of those types of holidays, like Arbor Day. and
0: Oh, it's, uh, it's Johnny Pemberton, so... Uh... If that if that gives you a visual cue of who it is.
1: He seems like somebody who would. Part of a media roundup is I was listening to your old Droog again, uh, a lot this week, and he has this one song called Pronouns, and the hook is like, I don't care what your pronouns are, you are not him. Ooh, damn. Yeah, that, that, that that's it for me for a media roundup.
0: Oh, okay, just that one bar. <laughs> just that one bar. <laughs> Um, there was a lot of good music that came out this week, but I haven't gotten to a lot of it. I've got some stuff, though. Let's see. I've got
1: two two things. I watched uh, Shiva Baby. Oh, people have really heavily recommended that to me. People have told me, like, you would love it, Paul. I really
0: liked it. I thought it was really good. I think because it came out around the same time as Uncut Gems. A lot of people make that comparison when talking about it online, which didn't really hit for me because I didn't particularly like Uncut Gems. I didn't get a lot from that movie. But I do like Shiva Baby. Um, no, it was it was it's really good. It's really funny, but it's it's a good ride. It's a good fun time. Uh, and then I started watching, and I'm actually almost done with uh, the TV show. The other two, uh, which I highly recommend. This is all on HBO Max. So hopefully you have HBO Max. But uh, yeah, I really liked uh, that. It's uh, Drew Tarver, and I can't remember the name of the woman on the show. I'm not being anti-woman. I just knew Drew Tarver going into the show, and I did not know her name going into the show. Mm. Um,
1: so you hate women.
0: <laughs> but it's a, it's a really like uh it's a really funny show, a uh, really easy watch. Uh and I was telling Phil today that I was like I think one of the things that I uh it's been so long since I've watched a show where I was like, "Damn, I just really like these characters." Like they don't do the whole like they're terrible people but you kind of root for them thing. They're just kind of nice people that you want to root for even if they do have flaws and like make mistakes.
1: Hey, sometimes regular likable people have interesting things happen to them in stories where Oh, like. and uh Molly
0: Shannon plays their mom and she kills it.
1: Shout out Molly Shannon, the number one (laughs) ex-SNL alum for Big Facts No Cap podcast.
0: Shout out Molly Shannon. Uh, If you want the premise to get hooked on it or whatever, it's uh, the idea is that they're both struggling actors slash dancers in New York. uh, And then one day their uh, younger brother blows up in a a la Justin Bieber type way. So they become the other two uh, after he becomes a mega celebrity. Oh, what does
1: the other two mean? Like they, like they just follow just him the on tour? Just the siblings of
0: the... Yeah, I mean, obviously they get like intertwined with his life as a way to try to make their themselves famous.
1: I know through Izzy that Taylor Swift's brother went to Notre Dame while she went there. Apparently that was a big deal. Ooh, I didn't
0: even know Taylor Swift had a
1: brother. Yeah, she doesn't think about him a lot.
0: I mean, I can tell that he's going to Notre Dame instead of hanging around Taylor, because I could could tell you, a lot of these songs wouldn't have been written if she had her brother going up to them being like, if you ever hurt Taylor, whatever you do to her,
1: I'm gonna do double to you. Once again, when dads say that to like a teenage boy, it's like, you're threatening to have sex with him? You're threatening to rape him? What an insane threat. You're a grown man.
0: Also, speaking of Ross from Friends, that is a great episode where Ross tries to do that talk with Chandler.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, and he just thinks it's funny because Ross isn't uh, threatening.
0: Yeah, he's like, there's no way I could take this seriously. And he's like, I'm being serious. (laughs) (laughs) See, those are the kind of characters we need on TV today. We don't need all this irony-peeled stuff.
1: Wait, what are you talking about? Ross is definitely one of those characters that's a hateable bad person. He's yeah, complex. he is kind of unlikable. Yeah.
0: Um, anything else? Any experience roundups?
1: Uh, I moved, but that's not interesting. Cut it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, I don't, I don't know if we need to cut it, but cut it. And then cut your hair, you drinking?
0: And then cut the bullshit. It's getting a little bit long. All right, do we get into the theme? Theme is zombies, and uh... I'll tell you what. I was at Trivia yesterday, and I let Pierce know what our theme was going to be, and Pierce says to me, he says, oh, I'm surprised you guys haven't done that yet, and I didn't know how to take that. I was like, are you being sarcastic or not? I can't tell.
1: That had to be sarcasm, right? Or
0: No, he was being sincere. I don't know why. He that was is- like, I don't know. You guys are like episode a million, I guess. I don't know. I thought you guys have done everything. <laughs> I was like, you thought zombie was going to be one of the first ones we go to for an advice column podcast?
1: <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we have done PokePod, so.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, but that's
0: more about us than it is about the the structure of the podcast. We both love PokeMains. We're not both known zombie lovers.
1: No, in fact, I would say, if anything, I'm pretty middling on zombies.
0: Yeah, let's say, I, I would say that I'm, like, incredibly neutral among zombies. Um... Mm-hmm. You know, I like horror, zombie movies, kind of its own subsection of horror. Not my favorite, not my least favorite. They're kind of just, you know, they're all right. It doesn't sell me
1: inherently. Like, it's not like if someone's like, oh, it's a zombie movie, you'll like it. Well, zombie movies are also a little bit more, they're a little bit more uh, popular. And so they tend to be more action based and thrills based than the horror that's meant to horrify you.
0: Uh, yeah, I was reading the article on, uh, zombie films in preparation for this, and, uh, it did make sure that, to point out, uh, periods where zombie movies were really in, and I think they said the last one was just prior to
1: elevated horror coming in. <laughs> that kind of makes sense, I agree with that. Like, as far as the timeline of what's considered elevated horror, obviously elevated horror is a bullshit term. Yeah. Good for Jordan Peele though. Like Get Out was a great movie, and it's kind of incredible that he invented a genre with it.
0: Yeah, look at that black man inventing everything, just like they always do. I know. Tell you
1: what, wasn't there like a movie about people stuck in an elevator? Is that elevator horror?
0: I was gonna make that joke, but I was like, I don't, I don't think we need it.
1: <laughs> I like how you made sh- <laughs> you both wanted credit <laughs> for it, and you wanted to put me down. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's crazy. I get to do both with one sentence.
1: How convenient. The utility.
0: <laughs> um. No, yeah, yeah. So anyways, about zombies. Other ways that zombies are used, I don't know. There's a zombie Scooby-Doo. There's a song zombie by the Cranberries. Uh, I think you get to fight Nazi zombies in Call of Duty. I
1: heard that's a popular uh way to play that game. When Call of Duty... Oh God! What was it? Was it Call of Duty: World at War, the one that came out after four? I'm not gonna know this. I've I've never played it. Was incredible. That back then it wasn't. It, you had to beat the campaign, and then it popped up randomly, and you'd be like, "What's this?" And you played it with your friends, and it was the most incredible fun thing ever. And then after that, it became like the breakout like feature of the game, and all the future ones had full fledged Nazi zombie modes built in hmm but yeah nazi zombies was so fun get the ray gun pew, 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 pew. it was a really powerful gun you could uh, unlock in nazi zombies okay okay was it always nazi zombies yeah i mean because it was uh it was a world war ii shooter hmm and you played for the right side on that one what
0: you played on the right side of that war
1: Yeah, no, you weren't the Nazi zombies. You were the people shooting the Nazi zombies. (laughs) All right, all right. I think zombies work really well in video games because it's like, you know, I mean, it's obvious why it's such an overused cliche in gaming. Like you can put hundreds and hundreds of these inanimate people in the game and it's okay to kill them. Yeah, I remember,
0: uh, is it Ocarina of Time where sometimes when you walk around at night, zombies will appear? Yes,
1: I well, those things that like jump on your back and scream. I can't remember if those Uh show up randomly at night. I think it's other monsters that show up randomly at night. Those like things that jump on your back and scream only show up in graveyards and in specific areas. Um, but yeah, I get what you mean in terms of like, uh, there's no
0: remorse for killing a zombie. Like they're already dead. Who gives a shit? Yeah, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit, man? Who gives a shit? They're ugly too. They are. Yeah. I think we've talked about this briefly before, because I mentioned how silly I thought it was that my friend Emily was more afraid of, like, a mummy than they are of, like, the human condition or whatever. (laughs) 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 However I put the argument. Uh, Did did you ever find zombies actually scary?
1: No, like I said, I think they're more of, like, a thrills sort of genre than a, like, ooh, I'm so scared sort of genre.
0: So wait, that really just lights up that part of your brain where when you saw zombies as a kid, you were like, free kills, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Kinda,
1: Yeah. All right, I kind of see that, I guess. How do you feel about, like, the very common YouTube essay sociological, like, uh, breakdown of, like, various horror tropes as, like, oh, these monsters tell us something about what we as a society are scared of based on what's popular. Like, f- Frankenstein's monsters because we're scared of technology, and zombies are because we're scared of, uh, I don't know what the zombie ones would be, but, like, hordes of pandemics middle easterners pandemics yeah you know like uh vampires are like hiv or something like uh, or where you know it's always something like that i don't Uh, know i think
0: there's probably like a small amount of truth in it but i think most of this is dictated by people with money deciding when to make whatever
1: (laughs) that's what i was gonna say i think it's often a really overblown and a kind of lazy way to try to be like oh that's what like I don't know people really overemphasize yeah. the importance of it
0: I we've referenced this before but I don't know if I've ever actually just given the full story but I was at a party once uh, a local comedian showed up because he's dating uh someone who works at Trader Joe's uh and there was a party of people who mostly worked at Trader Joe's um and we were talking about because I was working on my senior thesis what they did for their senior theses uh and so the, the comedian talks about how he did a uh research paper on how likely it is or how possible it would be for a real life Batman to exist. Mm. Um, And then she did her paper on like the correlation between like economic uh, stability in America and when zombie movies or something were was yeah. popular. And I just remember the line that I had that night when we were talking about it was like, damn, I had to do like actual research for mine. And they're both <laughs> like, no, 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 no. Mine was like, not, mine was really well researched, man. It was a really cool paper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, ever since then, I think Paul's always used that as his go-to example of, like, just ridiculous things that kids get to write research papers on in college.
1: Yeah, it's, I don't know, like, that's, it's like, how is that a thing you did for school? That's like a funny Reddit post.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we need kids who can do that kind of stuff in college. That way they can write essays eventually online about how uh, the fact that uh, vampire movies are popular right now means that we're afraid of... Uh, Blisters. The, the id. <laughs> rules for zombies how do you feel about those and how they're not very well uh established oh
1: yeah i did when i was a kid because i liked the movie so much after the will smith movie came out read the i am legend book which is like often cited as one of the earliest examples of zombies or the zombie genre and in that book they were vampires yeah because
0: that was what like the 30s 40s
1: yeah and they were like kind of intelligent like they would like stand outside his house and yell at him and stuff so they were like vampires who would come out at night and they were like zombie-ish and that they'd kind of lost their humanity but like they were also had it completely lost it is what you realized by the end of the book it was interesting
0: yeah, that seems a lot more interesting than, like, just the more basic version of it, but, like, even stuff about, like, whether or not they can walk fast or not is, like, kind of variable, and you can, you can kind of play with that, which I guess is kind of fun, if you're, if you're writing a story. You can choose whether or not they're totally unintelligent, or if, you know, you can do, like, a play on it, like Shaun of the Dead, where at the end he has his little zombie buddy, and he still kind of wants to eat him, but they can still hang out and play video games. <laughs> but back on track about zombies and uh we're, i don't give is there anything else the else last of to us are
1: like mushroom or sorry not mushroom they're uh fungi based oh, that's kind of cool yeah yeah like fungi spores infected humans and then started spreading from human to human i guess like as a little uh bit of realism with the ants or parallel to the ants yeah. thing Uh, but I
0: wish there was more lore about zombies, though. I wish it was one of those things, like, no one uses this trope, but, like, the fact that vampires, technically, if you, like, empty a bag of rice in front of them, they're supposed to have to count every grain before they can go back to doing whatever they go to do. Is that Uh, true?
1: That seems more like a comedic timing sort of thing than a horror (laughs) sort of thing. I think
0: that's just part of the (laughs) lore. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Who gets to decide what's part of the lore and what isn't? We all do, Adrian. That's canon. I guess so. The other trope that we always talk about with zombies is uh, the guy who gets bitten, but then pretends that
1: he didn't and tries to stay in the group for as long as possible. Oh, yeah. I don't think I would have ever clocked that for as funny as it is if it wasn't for the community episode where like all five of them are in a room <laughs> together. And they've all been bit. And they're all trying to hide it. <laughs> That's funny. like nobody is special.
0: Oh, since we're no longer doing this as a third segment. um Do you think you could survive a zombie apocalypse, Paul? What's your take on that? I think I introduced you and Phil to the, uh, or no, I think Phil was the one who didn't know that this was a thing that like a common Bumble or Hinge, uh, like written answer on your uh, profile is like my plan for the zombie apocalypse. And they just say like, I'm going to die or whatever. Mm hmm um are you are you one of those people or do do you have some semblance of a plan are you one of those people like the guy that i worked with at trader joe's who was like you know a lot of people are gonna go to grocery stores but actually you know it's it's illegal to make dog food that humans can't eat so i would go to a pet store because i'd be the only one there with all
1: the dog food i could eat that's cute um (laughs) what a life worth living (laughs) huddled in your house eating dog food for two decades (laughs) (laughs) good on you for surviving um I don't know what what I do know is it's one of those things that's like kind of up there with the hypotheticals about time travel where I think mm. it does teach you that most regular guys just really overestimate their abilities every white guy just overestimates their abilities in every paradigm of their life oh, yeah. Where they're just like, oh, yeah, if I could go back in time, I'd kill Hitler. It's like, in what world would you be able to assassinate a world leader now? That people (laughs) will be like, oh, yeah, if I was in a zombie apocalypse, I would go to an island. It's like, I give you 24 hours and make all the other humans in the world disappear. Zombies aren't even a factor. I doubt you could find a boat and find your way to an island without, like, sailing into the ocean and dying. (laughs) Like, I I don't, like, (laughs) why do these people think they're going to become, like, outdoorsmen and navigators and adventurers?
0: Oh, you know, this might also not be as much of a trope as I think it is, but it is also a big thing for stand-up comedians to be like, well, what I do in a zombie apocalypse, I'm just a little joker man. I feel like I've heard multiple comedians make that joke of like, you know, if you're a doctor, you have like skills to contribute after the apocalypse, or if you're a, whatever, you know, but like, what am I supposed to do? Like, just tell stories? All right, Adrian,
1: you want to get into uh, my column? All right, Polyboy, would you ring in for us? I brought in Relationship Connection. A advice column on St. George News uh, for the city of St. George, Utah, written by Jeff Stirrer. Hey, new columnist alert. So the question here, Adrian, is my parents are what I would describe. Wait, Paul, can I ask you a question really quick? Of course, buddy. How are we feeling about the spelling of Jeff? Geoff. Yeah, yeah. uh, He must be a fancy British man.
0: I do like it because I think there's a Joff uh, in a uh, Fire Emblem that I like, so I've always found it kind of charming. Um, did I ever tell you the time where my undergrad advisor was named uh, uh, Jeffrey Dudica? Look him up; he's at the University of South Carolina. Mm. Um, and one time when I was Dudicaca? submitting a paper with him, no, 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 <laughs> when I was uh, submitting a paper to him, uh, I put both of our names on it as like authors or whatever, and he always goes by Jeff, but I assumed his full name was Jeffrey. And so, I took a stab at spelling Jeffrey, and I don't know why I didn't realize that there were more letters in it than there were. I thought it was G J E F F R Y, Jeffrey? I think there's an E in there. So I just spelled his name wrong, probably, and sent it to him, and I got super self-conscious about it.
1: I'm not gonna lie, that is very dumb of you. That's up there with that time you just started licking a dog toy full of peanut butter with most, uh... Unexpectedly dumb Adrian stories. Yeah, it didn't have peanut butter in it at the time. It was empty. <laughs> <laughs> we can't get. There was no reward. This episode's gonna be two <laughs> hours long. <laughs> okay, all right, all
0: right. Saint George News. Jeff stirrer Wait, did he post this the day before January
1: sixth? <laughs> oh, wrong gear, buddy. Okay, you're right. <laughs> the day before January 6th, 2022. <laughs> Two. Yeah, okay, you're right. My parents are... Question. My parents are what I would describe as preppers. They spend inordinate amounts of time researching, experiment, and even building survival gear. They spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on preparedness. They mainly associate with other like-minded preppers and spend hours talking about how to dispose of human waste, how to cook food storage, how to set up camp when we're called out, what vehicles are necessary to own, etc. I'm a mother with my own family who believes my parents are extremists. I believe they look beyond the mark. I believe in preparing for the uncertainty of the future, especially in the middle of a pandemic. I believe it's important to gradually build reserves of food and water, build financial reserves, and most importantly, prepare spiritually. The leaders of my church have counseled us not to go to extremes. How do you deal with family members who treat anyone who believes they've gone down the road of fanaticism as ill-prepared, foolish, or spiritually inferior?
0: Is this an explicitly religious
1: column, or is this person just weirdly spiritual and religious? Well, the author is the author, George Stirrer, is the co-author of Love You Hate the Porn, Healing a Relationship Damaged by Virtual Infidelity. So I have to assume he's at least pretty Christian.
0: Yeah, I got some weird vibes to this where I was like, I kind of think both of them are kind of wacky, to be honest. (laughs) Um, Host
1: of the Illuminate podcast? I have to assume that sounds kind of religious. Illuminate, like, probably something about mm -hmm. Illuminated by his love or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I
0: don't know, there's something about saying the leaders of my church, where I'm like, this person sounds just as wacky as the (laughs) ex of your parents. (laughs) The leaders of Um, my church. But that aside, if we're just treating this as a regular question, uh, I will say that I think that... The question sounds like their issue was with judgment and not with the fact that they're spending their time doing this, mm. and I'm having a little bit of trouble parsing what they actually want advice on. How, I don't think... Th- they, honestly, it, it sounds it like they're like,
1: I'm annoyed that my parents are smug. Like, I don't want yeah, them honestly, to... Yeah,
0: honestly, it sounds like they're like, I don't really care if this is how they spend all their time. Just don't be weird to me about it. Like, it kind of... It's, it's a weird laissez-faire attitude I to think they feel judged. Not those, uh,
1: I think they don't like that yeah. their parents... Because they're like, I don't want to feel like... I- I'm not prepared. enough. inferior, yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is weird. So I guess our advice needs to be, like, emotional rather than, like, how to get them to actually physically stop being weird preppers.
1: Well, the thing is, Adrian, you know, like, when you pull up in your 1996 Honda Civic at the red light and a Ferrari pulls up next to you? That's how she feels when she pulls up with her M95 mask and her parents have on those big, like, World War II gas masks with the canisters on. Oh, dude, I... She's getting
0: stunted (sighs) on right now. I really wanted, when I was in high school, an I Declare War shirt that uh, had one of those gas masks with dollar signs over the eyes. (laughs) I thought it looked really hard, and I thought it was really cool, and I bought it, and it was out of stock, and that design was never replenished or restocked. So I... Thought I I had ordered it and I got an email saying, sorry, we're actually out of it, and I never got a chance to buy it again, and it's been one of my greatest regrets.
1: <laughs> one of your greatest regrets of life. What a what a blessed life. I or know. that shirt was Would've that a- cool and you've gone through <laughs> really horrible things. <laughs> That's true.
0: I had to get a different I declare war shirt that sometimes people ask me about because it's a metal shirt with a historical photo, I think, on it. That looks very uh sad, so I don't know. Um anyways. Uh, so, wait, you were saying that, um, oh, feelings of inferiority is what we need to address, um, yeah, they spend so much time talking about how what they're doing is really extreme, but then it kind of just goes back to, like, how do I make them not think of me? I mean, I guess, uh, you should, you should, uh, I believe it's important to gradually build reserves of
1: food and water. What does that mean? I didn't really quite get that because it also, also, like, most that's food what I'm goes saying, is bad. That- you know what I mean? Like, you have to buy really specific food. I, I never really got that part of preppers. I, where do you find food that's not going to be bad in a year or two?
0: There are religious. So I know this because of the YouTube phenomenon Jim uh, Baker, Good Mythical Morning. Oh, no. Oh. It's the it's the two dudes from North Carolina who eat a bunch of food online. I guess that's being overly simplistic. I know Hunter loves them. I don't know if Hunter still listens to this podcast to be honest, but I don't want to slander them in case he does. Um, but they have definitely done the we're going to eat like weird prepper food that uh people sell and most of them are sold by like evangelical pastors. So it's kind of a money-making scheme from those terrible people to sell like buckets of like That's Jim Baker who food. sells those
1: buckets. That's Pastor ah. Jim Baker. He, I think, had like a legitimate like TV evangelist following in the 90s and then got like a divorce from his wife and then became like a I don't know. It, it, he seems like he has a really crazy story that they, they, somebody needs to make a good documentary about all this stuff. But uh, yeah, Yo, he's he the one who the sells movie. the buckets, the buckets of basically what seems like animal feed that that stuff must be getting moldy within the matter of weeks. I do not trust his quality control. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's definitely unregulated, I assume. The FDA isn't allowed to touch his uh, religious food. (laughs) It's probably one of those things where he sells it, like, not as food, but, like, it's like a wink-wink, nudge-nudge to the audience. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs)
0: He sells the buckets, the food comes with the buckets, <laughs> so he can't <laughs> regulate the food.
1: Uh, I, know, uh, I know I've seen a video of his where it's like, he's like, it's a Mexican food bucket, and it's like full of like en- enchiladas. <laughs> so nasty,
0: man. Um, nasty, nasty, nasty woman.
1: Nasty. I think for me it, Jim it's Jim Baker.
0: I'm still going back to the fact that I think the daughter seems kind of loony, too. Uh, just because, like, I'm—I believe it's important to gradually build reserves of food and water. It sounds like they also—I mean, they're—they're they're religious. They also do believe in like an
1: end times or something like that. I will that. say so, like, that this isn't explicitly a zombie column. I do think there is some logic to like you should have a bag with like a couple days worth of like water and uh, some medical equipment in case like you know there's an earthquake or there there yeah, are yeah that's like, just actual... emergency
0: preparedness if there's a hurricane yeah, yeah. there's
1: actual emergency preparedness. Reserves makes it sound like she thinks she's going to need this for like multiple weeks in an apocalypse scenario. What does it mean how to set up camp when we're called out in quotes? Uh, because, you know, when when the Antichrist's armies come through and they call you out to be given the Obama? mark of the beast, you have to set up camp to escape uh, being marked and forced into mm, his armies. I see. I have no idea. That's my guess. Something like that, Probably. Yeah. I do feel like this is a, I don't know, just the
0: idea that she calls her parents extremists, but like, that obviously means that she considers herself like a prepper moderate. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, obviously, I believe in like a moderate amount of prepping. That would be such a sensible. (laughs) You should have at least six months of supplies.
1: Look, I'm not, I'm not a theologist. I'm not, I don't, I don't know a lot about Christianity or evangelicalism. Don't know much about philosophy. But- I never got, like, aren't you supposed to be one of the Christians that gets uh, saved before the apocalypse starts? Get raptured? Yeah, you're supposed to be raptured. Or is it like all the Antichrist stuff happens, then the rapture happens, so they want to prep for that pre-rapture? Or...
0: I thought it was like once the gay agenda takes over, that's going to preempt the the rapture,
1: and so we're going to have to live in Biden's America housecape. Oh... We've talked about this on pod before, but how funny is it that people at our middle school, like it was a very common belief that <laughs> Obama was the an Antichrist?
0: I really can't express enough how common a be-
1: of a belief it was. <laughs> it was. We just... don't mean one or two people. <laughs> no, no, it was a well-accepted fact among a lot of people. <laughs>
0: oh man how how did we how did we turn out normal, Paul? <laughs> Sometimes you got to ask yourself that.
1: I bet those people all think that they're all like. I don't know. I imagine a good chunk of them have to be like just regular libs at this point, And they mm. probably think of themselves as like sensible moderates and just have mm-hmm. completely memory hold the fact that they thought Obama was an antichrist at some point. <laughs> Barack Hussein Obama. Uh, do you want to hear the answer to this column? Oh, yeah. Advice.
0: Um, Put money on it. Yeah that doesn't really help you until the apocalypse does or doesn't happen. Uh yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I think what we have to give is emotional advice and I think the emotional advice you need is just to have the ability to ignore.
1: Yeah, if you're not of, like, like worried about them financially, like if they're not if they're basically fine and they're not going to yeah. you know, buy prepping stuff until they're homeless. If this is a sustainable hobby for them then I guess just, like, don't take it too personally. Like, I don't know. Often parents judge their kids, and the kids have to either put up with it or, I guess, leave the parents behind. But it doesn't sound like it's bad enough to leave them behind, so... No, I don't think
0: so. Yeah, It seems like they're still completely willing to have you in their life. They're just going to look down on you a little bit. And, you know, Paul and I, again, not the best people to answer these questions. I think we come from families where I can't really... Uh, empathize with the idea of your parents looking down on you for something like this. Um, so I don't know, because I feel like what I was going to say when it turns when it, when it comes to ignoring people's uh, opinions is I think that becomes a little bit hard when the people you're talking about are like your actual parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who you like kind of inherently seek approval from. But uh, yeah, like I said, I don't think Paul and I are really uh, used to having to do that or having to uh, have any kind of like roadblocks like this on it.
1: Alright, let me read the answer all right even though we all get to choose the kind of life we want to live it becomes difficult when others especially our own family members are openly critical of our choices while there may be areas of agreement in your relationship with your parents the areas of disagreement have become wedges that sabotage unity thankfully you can choose to have peace as you respond to your parents. You have a responsibility to sort through the competing ideas about how to best prepare for the future. No one, including your family, can decide for you what strategy is going to work best for you. Recognize that it's hard to not be thrown off by somebody else's confidence in their plan, especially when those people are your own parents. We are wired to care about what our parents think. It's built into our survival reflexes, and those don't automatically disappear with time. You can certainly consider the input, but ultimately, You'll want to embrace your own conclusions about how to best protect yourself and your own family. As you do hold this- Hold on,
0: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: I, I know we didn't
0: 100% establish the fact that he's religious, but uh, I feel like it's built into our survival reflexes as a weird way to like talk about evolution without talking about evolution. <laughs> it feels like some uh, some like pop psychology. Don't worry, uh, he or, brings uh, up God in a bit.
1: I just scrolled down. Oh, all right. Never mind then. <laughs> But you thought it was going to be some evolutionary psychology stuff? No, it sounds like it's kind of invoking
0: that, but like from someone who I am pretty sure doesn't believe in any kind of evolution. <laughs> but somehow I guess thinks that intelligent design put like certain reflexes into you. I don't know.
1: Well, what do you think about it? Intelligent design. Why would you put a waste disposal system next to a <laughs> fun park? You know what I mean, Adrian? Yeah,
0: next to an amusement. What is it? Inter- entertainment system. Uh, it's built into our survival reflexes. It's almost like this behavior has evolved because it's adaptive for the particular environment that an individual lives in. And I
1: thank God every day for that. What are you talking about, Adrian? It's built into our survival reflexes because respect thy parents is one of the Ten Commandments and in it's intelligent design. That's actually so true. Buyakaya. Never mind. Religion, one. Adrian and his biology bitch shit, zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As you do this you'll be able to better tolerate any undue pressure from your parents your parents are getting answers that work for them remember that their answers don't have to work for you they sound like they have deeply connected to their purpose and community you can also feel deep purpose and connection as you continue your own preparations you and your parents are spiritual people and are seeking answers from god about how to best prepare for the future Thankfully, you can find great unity in seeking direction from spiritual sources, even while our individual answers have some variance. As you get personalized spiritual direction, you will need to tolerate a certain level of differentiation from each other. None of us are the same. So how could our individual spiritual answers be carbon copies? Healthy families are based on connection, but they're also based on a certain level of separateness. Too much closeness can be smothering (laughs) and enmeshed. Too much distance can leave us isolated and disengaged from important supports. It's challenging to find that balance of connection and separation. But it's a healthy tension that allows us to thrive both individually and as families. Your confidence in the answers you've received for yourself and your family will make it easier to respond to your parents' assertions that they know what's best for you. You can share your appreciations or concern for your safety and well-being That wasn't my fault. The sentence was grammatically written wrong. Um, Mm. You can also let them know that you are receiving direction for your life and don't need them to manage your life. If they are intrusive about their opinion on how you're living your life, you can respond with directness and clarity. You will grow emotionally and spiritually as you learn how to respond in loving, confident, and healthy ways to your parents. Yeah, uh, I didn't love it, but I didn't think I was gonna
0: love it based on uh, Jeff's background. So I don't know. What did you think?
1: I don't know. It was kind of the same advice as us. He just kind of reached it through a different paradigm. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, it, I guess we can't criticize this much. It didn't. It was just.
0: I did laugh at him
1: saying healthy families are based on
0: connection, but they're also based on a certain level of separateness.
1: Well, you see, the trick so, here know. is to communicate, but not over communicate
0: exactly yeah it's that kind of advice but yeah i mean i don't know it's it's uh probably more useful to this person than if this person were to listen to us talk about the problem so you know there's more quotables in here that that person can use constructively than what we gave them
1: all right you want to get into your call
0: yeah so i also uh as you can, can probably imagine um i guess you know there was the one where we brought in like ask dr eldritch who was like the parody advice columnist about supernatural things uh, I could have found one like that, but I also brought in kind of like a tangentially uh, related zombie um, column. So one of the terms that is in the like see also part of Wikipedia, if you look up the zombie article, uh, is smombie, um, which is a portmanteau, a clumsy portmanteau, if you ask me, <laughs> of a smartphone and zombie. Um, so it is the... Uh, old man yelling at the clouds type thing about how kids are on their phone for too much these days for too long Um, but in this case it's actually going to be a husband and wife relationship so we'll see how this plays out dear annie my husband's smartphone addiction is ruining our marriage and this is from march 13th 2023 dear annie my husband is constantly on his phone and we we bring this up so many times but uh, okay so there is a link on it and it links to a Dear Abby article um, so it's not explaining the concept of being constantly on your phone it's just a <laughs> reference to another advice column uh, my husband is constantly on his phone scrolling through social media playing video games or chatting with friends I feel like I'm always competing he's for his cheating on and you
1: honey dump him
0: No, 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 because she can see what he's doing. I feel like I'm always competing for his attention, and it's driving me nuts. I have complained many times, and he promises to pay more attention to me, but his addiction to his smartphone takes priority every time. This past weekend was the worst, which is why I am writing. He promised to take me to a hotel by the sea as a romantic getaway, and I was so looking forward to it. The hotel was a two-hour drive from our home, and he drove, and we were able to have the beginnings of a conversation. Of course, every time he received a text message, he would glance at his phone. One time he wanted to reply, and I said, no, it's too dangerous. So he waited until we arrived. I checked us into the hotel, and of course he spent the entire time with his phone. The room and view were beautiful, but I don't think he even noticed he was so busy on his phone. After a while, I got tired of complaining, and I have started to wonder what it would be like to be with someone else, someone who wasn't so addicted to their phone. We want to have children, but I'm afraid that he will be one of those fathers who ignores his kids because he is obsessed with his phone. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't, is, that, is that a type of dad?
1: Yeah. Is that an archetype of a dad? Yeah, you don't know a dad who ignores- well, we were too young. We were too pre-the-cell phone era. <laughs>
0: I guess so. I don't know. To me, it makes me think of, like, 90s, like, lawyer dad who's always, like, on a call or something, but not just, like, playing Candy Crush. (laughs) Um, When we were at dinner in a very nice restaurant, he pulled out his phone and told me that I should talk. And he was listening. Even though his eyes were on the phone, he only put it down in between bites of food. I was furious and started crying. He acted like this was my problem, not his, and he played innocent. He later apologized, but at the time, but at the same time, he pretends as if has she ever considered maybe she is really boring. That could be true. We'll talk about that. (laughs) He later apologized, but at the same time, he pretends as if I was the one with the problem, and he doesn't know what I am talking about when he says that when I say that he's an addict. I get so mad I could scream. I do love him, and he says he loves me. He has promised to pay more attention to our relationship and not look at his phone so much. But it's as if he has no control. He constantly feels compelled to check his phone. The bottom line is that his addiction, all caps, to his smartphone is threatening to ruin our
1: marriage. Do you have any suggestions? Ignored for an iPhone. I mean, the cliche thing is that, like, the fact that he doesn't think it's a problem, like, it's not gonna get better until he thinks it's a problem, and it's kinda insane that he doesn't consider it a problem, like, I don't know. I mean,
0: were you not also floored by, like, he, he looks at his phone in between bites of food?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's so clearly an actual problematic addiction, but he's, you're not gonna- con- like, if he's refusing to acknowledge it's a problem- you, like, if he's going, okay, we'll agree to disagree, but I'll try my best not to look at it to make you happy. Yeah. Like, that's not a real, like, he's not actually about to get better. <laughs> um Yeah, yeah. He needs to, like, kind of be disappointed in himself. Uh It's crazy. Like, how? He, he's got to
0: hit phone rock bottom. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they say about addicts sometimes. You got to hit your rock bottom. He's got to be on his phone... While he's hitting a bad bitch from the back and not fully taking in the experience? <laughs>
1: what the fuck are you talking about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What's rock bottom for someone who's addicted to their phone. Um,
1: Yeah, I don't
0: know. I would know. say probably like a car crash or something because you were looking at something
1: stupid. I mean, how unhappy is he that like he needs to escape? Or this how happy phone?
0: does his phone make him? Is it a her situation? <laughs>
1: What if you FaceTimed him, so then he got to be looking at his phone and spending time with you? Perfect solution? I think so. Mm. That's not a bad idea. What year was this posted? It's going to really crack me up if it was 2008 and this was a BlackBerry.
0: No, that's what I was saying. It's 2023. Oh, yeah. This year. But it's just so funny. It's... I don't know. Just, yeah. I, I thought it was funny. The more evidence she provided of him being a, a, a phone addict was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous.
1: Like, yeah, of course. On our special be beach doing trip, we went paragliding and the whole time he was looking at his phone. Like, literally, yeah. Like, I was surprised there wasn't that part of it. Ooh, you should take him to a Dave Chappelle show. Oh. Ah. You should get those for your house, those bags comedy those bags comics use so that you can't use your phone, yeah, how many times have you done that? Once I've had the actual bag uh when you go to what's the one the seller in New York, they just put it in like a in like a oh. yellow envelope and tape it up, but only once have I had like the actual official bag that was for John Mullaney at the Spectrum Center. That they had, like, the electronic oh, nice. ones that auto-unlock once yeah. you leave the show. I did it for, uh, Hari Kanabolu in, uh, Colorado. Really? Are people trying to steal Hari's content like that?
0: Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot- Yeah, I don't know how many Indian-American comedians with, uh, Latino wives who just had a baby during the pandemic are trying to steal his, uh, <laughs> his material.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm- I'm- I'm trying to- I'm- I'm trying to look up on YouTube before the official set drops him telling me about what is and isn't offensive. What representation is or isn't good enough. Want to see that on YouTube well before the special drops. Gotta hear his opinion. You gotta. I'm, I'm, are you are you a Hari fan? I I think I do enjoy some of his stuff, but he really is one of those comedians. Um, I mean, I'm willing to, uh,
0: poke uh, fun at him, even though I, I do enjoy him quite a bit. Um,
1: he is one of the few openly poly comedians. Shout out to him for that. That's kind of interesting. Wait, he's poly? Doesn't I not he that. talk about, like, having multiple girlfriends and being poly in a special? Not any of the ones that I've watched, and I think I've watched all of his stuff. Oh no, I hope I'm not thinking of another Indian comedian. <laughs> oh boy. Are <laughs> you thinking of
0: Akash Singh? <laughs> the anti-Hari Kandabolu? The anti-Hari <laughs> Um, The guy who's like, my job in life is to give white people the option to be racist towards my people and give them an out for it, because I said it was Okay. <laughs> Um no, uh the thing that I was gonna say is that I've I famously make fun of him uh on his podcast with Kamal Bell, where Kamal specifically talking about how people have criticisms of Clapter, which is, you know, a joke where there's no actual laughter but people clap because they agree with you. Mm-hmm. And Hari ends the segment by being like, I don't know, I'm kind of okay with clapter. And I was like, Yeah, that makes sense. That 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 that, that explains a good bit of <laughs> the way you approach comedy in certain ways. <laughs> Did we answer this question? Uh oh, um um. Okay. Do you want to read the answer? Yeah. Let's hear it. All right. Here is from Old Annie Lane. Uh. Let's see. Dear Ignored. Smartphones are a valuable tool as a source of instant information, but they are designed to
1: be addictive. The addiction <laughs> Thank you for center it, in twenty twenty three telling us what smartphones are good for. Annie Lane. I'm glad you covered that. I <laughs> hope there was also a hyperlink to tell us about the what you, smartphones are useful
0: for. No hyperlink. The Addiction Center has a toll-free number, 866... 866- Wait, hold on. <clears throat> I've been on the low. I've been-, <laughs> I've been taking my time. <laughs> I forgot he doesn't say the number during the uh, rap. I-, I was trying to figure out a place to put it in there. Uh, 866-340-0608 that I suggest you call. Your husband is addicted to his phone, and it could cost him his marriage. The fact that he promises you he will pay more attention to you and then breaks his promise would sound very familiar to spouses of alcoholics or gambling addicts. Did we not talk more about the fact that uh the woman was like, I'm starting to get these inclinations to think about what it would be like to be with another person. Oh, I missed that part when you were reading it. Yeah, I forgot about that part too, but I was like, man, what a- uh, This person's also weirdly like loyal and prudish and probably religious
1: oh really i thought it was like an interesting bit of foreshadowing like who says that without being like just outright saying like i'm kind of thinking of leaving him
0: (laughs) well that's what i was saying is that like it's it, it felt to me like she was saying that like it would take a lot for me to even think about leaving a marriage because that would be taboo well
1: i mean i think it should take a lot because if you like the whole point of marriage right is that you're agreeing that like okay i'm gonna try to stick through it even if times are hard But we
0: talked about how ridiculous this thing is. I don't know, maybe this is one of those things where we get into a discourse about addiction, I guess, or whatever, and, like, I don't know, you're supposed to stick by your man or be a ride or die.
1: No, I mean, obviously, like, uh, everybody has a different, like, uh, what what is it, like, breaking point? Everybody has, like, a different, like, level of, like, how much is too much. But I think when you agree to marriage, what you're saying is, I'm upping that level from, like, a simple relationship whatever my whatever my this is too much level is i'm upping it a little bit it's like okay i'm gonna i think we're gonna try to make this work even if even that's, if things, what,
0: that's what for sickness and health means
1: to you is like i'm upping it a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what it means so how do we feel about the zombie connection because like you said people connect zombies to like all sorts of like oh either like you know it's like when internet people use the term NPC. It's like a easy way to say that like you're the mm-hmm. main character, you're the real person. All these other people are fakes or not as important, or yeah, yeah. You're dehumanizing them. I mean, I guess that's what zombies are. They're humans that are dehumanized. Ooh, let's decolonize that. Yeah. Well, let's start with your mind, Adrian, and then move <laughs> outwards from there with our decolonization effort. Uh, I'm sorry. I don't know why that tickled me so much. I, it's imprudent it's to laugh so much at one's own joke.
0: All I'm saying is, I've read that
1: book, Paul. You haven't read that book. Mm. You see, and you making that point is why we need to start by decolonizing your mind. <laughs> okay.
0: Um,. How do we feel about the zombie connection with the smartphone zombie? I don't know. It's uh hyperbolic and I don't, I'm surprised I would, didn't find one. I guess there probably were some about like my teenager is doing this. Um, I, that's what I think that's what I was trying to say is that that's part of what tickled me is that it wasn't a teenager. It was an adult person. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know. Like w- what is at that point? Just fucking plug your brain into a computer and upload your brain and just live online. I don't know. Hmm, Adrian, we don't have that technology yet. Yeah, uh, eventually. I don't know. Anything else you want to say about it?
1: No, it it it's kind of interesting. I think if you are ever planning to make a uh, everybody's a sheep or everybody's a zombie analogy, uh probably take a step back and think about why you're an asshole. Like I've never heard anybody make uh everybody's a sheep or everybody's a zombie or everybody's an NPC sort of statement without thinking that that person is actually a little bit stupid or off base. Um, that
0: is my favorite thing is like media that's p- supposed to be presented as dystopian, where they'll like show droves of people just like looking at their phone. It is like the stupidest way to try and communicate what's supposed to be a highbrow idea about how
1: we're all just so lost in our phones
0: um i don't why are you I attacking was say, black
1: mirror like that people love that show adrian hey come on now
0: i was gonna say that that is a joke in my repertoire that's like a i would consider it almost like a dad joke but like if i'm ever at a restaurant with like three or four friends and everyone's on their phone except for me i will make
1: like a huh, everyone's addicted to their smartphones these days type joke <laughs> I know. It really is like I also do it, but then when other people are doing it and I'm trying to be a little chit-chatting, I'm like, come on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was on my phone two minutes ago, but now I'm off of it. How dare you guys be on it right now? That's actually very accurate.
0: Yeah, it will be something where like I just checked some text and stuff like that. But now that I'm setting my phone down, I see everyone else has their phone <laughs> up. Oh. Yeah.
1: We've all been there. All right. You want to do a third segment? Yeah, let's do it. Adrian, we've already spent so much of this podcast bullshitting about bees. Uh, hopefully that stays in on the first segment so that, uh, at the opener that's to this to podcast, you, so this makes sense. Uh, but that's up to you. Honestly, insects and animal, uh, the animal kingdom, Adrian. I'm a fan. It's pretty fucking metal out there. And our theme is- You don't think we need
0: to decolonize the term animal kingdom?
1: <laughs> is that something that needs to be decolonized? Kingdoms existed within Europe? Shouldn't it Europe? be animal democracy? Or are you like one of those people who are like, oh, like, uh, Bohemia was colonized by the by the, uh, the Holy Roman Empire? Are you like one of those people? I'm saying
0: that we need to <laughs> we need to take out these hierarchical terms. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> But zombies, yes, they exist in fiction, but they also exist in the, in the animal kingdom, in the animal, uh, 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 uh fauna realm, that's the decolonized term of animal kingdom. The F.R. <laughs> F.R. Baby. The fauna realm. Within the fauna realm, there's plenty of, uh zombie analogies people have and it's pretty metal. So I thought we would just talk about it. Maybe you could tell us if, uh, what you know about it, maybe from like a more biological perspective, um, biologist perspective, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mm-hmm. behavioral ecologist perspective. Um, all those row, am I doing a, uh, am I doing a wired interview right now? Cause I did not prepare. Um, and well, we're we're mostly pooling these from a futurism.com article, so I assume like it was written by somebody who prepared about as much as you did. Damn. Meow. <laughs> uh this is pulled from a Body Invaders, real zombies in the Animal Kingdom Futurism article. Uh not credited to an author, credited to Futurism as a entity. <laughs> Alright, what do we got in this listicle? Uh the Parasite Oh Man, uh, I guess I'll try to say this, and then you'll mock me and tell me how it's actually pronounced. Leo-cockloridium? leo I think it's just lew. Like lewcockloridium. Lewcockloridium. The intermediate host of this parasite is a snail, but it needs to get into a bird's stomach in order to keep its life cycle, life cycle going. A robin's stomach, uh, precisely. Snails generally spend their days eating bird droppings and tottering about on leaves. Leococchloridium uses its snail's food as its means of entry. It enters the snail when it consumes the feces wait, wait, of a wait, robin. Wait, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait, Sorry, sorry, sorry. You missed uh, the rest of that paragraph that I think really sets up the uh, criteria for what a zombie is in the animal kingdom.
1: Oh, okay. We want to go back to that. You want to summarize yeah, so the part you so were. This
0: one does not kill the host directly, which uh, no parasite wants to kill its host. That's kind of part of the evolutionary game of it. But uh, instead, it alters the host's behavior to accomplish what it needs to do in order to survive, and what it needs is for the snail to be eaten. So, in the literature, what you'll most likely read is that direct manipulation of a host by a pathogen is incredibly rare. Uh, and I think some people would argue that there's, like, criteria that need to be met. But, um, yeah, alteration of a host behavior is really rare, and that kind of is what our criteria, I think, is today for the idea of, like, zombifying an animal. hmm So you have to be able to take control of its behavior in some sense.
1: Oh, the snail grows new tentacles. That's fucking gnarly. That looks gross. That is crazy.
0: (laughs) Oh, wait, what is this existence? They generally spend their days eating bird poop and hanging out on leaves? You're literally just little shit eaters? (laughs) sounds like being on Twitter. Come on now. Hey, come on little shit sippers. (laughs) Uh, So they they grow new antenna, new tentacles uh,
1: that look Quite interesting with some swollen. They're much thicker and they have like bands of different colors. It looks like it kind of goes green, uh, ember, red. Ooh, this part is interesting. It engorges the, oh, tentacles, not testicles. Uh, Oh, and it engorges the tentacles to make it easier for a robin to, uh, find. To attract the predatory yeah. Robin. So, it doesn't really so much affect their behavior, it sounds like. It affects their physiology. Not in this particular physiology. case,
0: there are the ones...
1: Yeah. Well, they're, they're that, morphology. are um, Okay, so that wasn't the correct term. Damn it. Cut it! Make me look smart! I already do close. all the words.
0: You're pretty... Cl- <laughs> um... Okay, so there is behavioral manipulation though, because it, it specifically drives the snail to seek high ground so that there's also a behavioral component spatially in terms of getting the robin to come and attack it. Oh, yeah,
1: you're right. So that's kind, of that thing, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I was saying
0: about the one thing. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I was saying about the one zombification thing where, like, I can't remember what it is, and hopefully it's in this article, but uh, it makes it drown itself so that uh, whatever
1: predator it needs to can come get it, or whatever fish or whatever. Do you want to read the next one? Off you, Sauradisips? Oh, is that all you had to say about that one? You don't want to like read uh, oh, yeah. it on metalness or? That one is the... Uh, I, I, all of these are really scary. I don't know. Like, it does like tickle a part of your brain that's like, man, I don't like that. That it's making the snail want to go up high so that a bird can eat it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's... You were already eating shit. Like, what did you have to live for?
1: <laughs> oh, Okay. You know what I mean? I, I like that you took, uh, I like that you had a, a more nuanced perspective on this one. Yeah, I mean, you were a snail and you were eating
0: shit every day. <laughs> really? That's what you wanted to keep doing for the rest of your life?
1: Well, if you I was wanted that to be, snail- You wanted to have
0: grandchildren so you could be like, my dad was a shit eater, my granddad was a shit eater. <laughs> <laughs> I come from a long, proud line of shit eaters. I don't know if I was that snail. Maybe I think that's fun. <laughs> Did you ever watch that one Pixar movie about the snail racer? What was that, like, Turbo?
1: No, I did not watch Turbo. <laughs> does that not seem like a parody project? <laughs> it does. It, I think my biggest question... It must have been DreamWorks. Was that Pixar? It had to... That was DreamWorks.
0: No, that was DreamWorks. You're right, I think. It's very much in the lane of, like, we're talking about 30 Rock before them predicting Milf Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It feels like something
1: 30 Rock would pitch as, like, a kid's show. Well... Was it supposed, was it were all the racers snails and it was just kind of a joke or was it every other race was it a fish out of water story like oh all the other racers are cheetahs and he is the <laughs> one who learns to be turbo despite being a snail brother I could not tell you <laughs> I really don't know Because if he's just I racing think it's other just him, snails but they, like, CGI him into the movie Death Race <laughs> Death Race where they have to drive across the I country killing people. Uh, I think it's, what is, what is the movie Death Race about? I also don't know what but that I is I said, driving across the country, but you have to kill people. <laughs> oh, is that true? I think, and then you get out of prison. It's like they use prisoners, and you get out of prison. Yeah, yeah, I remember that part. Okay, I thought
0: that meant like they were disposable, so they just let them kill each other during the race as, like, entertainment. I think it was, like, a dystopian. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, you want to talk about
0: the next uh, zombie The second mind-controlling parasite is a parasitic fungus called Ophiocordyceps. Ophiocordyceps.
1: Uh, This fungus specifically targets certain kinds of ants. In The Last of Us, that's what they play on because it's cordyceps in that show. Endgame.
0: game. Oh. Uh, The fungus enters the ant through its body, usually canopy worker ants, and it soon begins to mind control and take over. Um, the ants suffer from convulsions, causing them to fall to the ground, and then in a mechanism unknown to scientists, it begins to modify the ant's behavior. Here is where things get interesting. The zombie ant climbs up the stem of the plant and uses its mandibles to secure itself with a death grip to the underside of the main vein of a leaf at precisely 25 centimeters off the ground. That's interesting that it aligns perfectly with one of our measurements that we made <laughs> up. <laughs> um facing a specific direction and with a specific amount of humidity upon dissection researchers discovered that when the ant bites down on the leaf its head is filled with fungal cells these cells often affect the motion of the jaw making it impossible for the ant to open its mouth keeping it trapped on the other side of the leaf then through enormous amount of pressure a fungus stalk erupts from the head of the ant after four to ten days it releases spores Under a single infected ant, 20 to 30 new targets will now be converted into a zombie graveyard by coming into contact with the spores released from the head of the infected ant. Each one will go to a new, mindless excursion to climb plants and lock their mandibles into leaf stalks. Scientists are not clear how the fungus controls the ant in effects, but they know that the parasite releases alkaloid chemicals into the insect as it consumes it from the inside. Um, They've been observed decimating entire ant colonies, and in response to this threat, ants have evolved the ability to detect when a member of the colony is infected, when ants detect that one of their own kind is infected, the healthy ants will whisk away the dying one, carrying it far away from the colony in order to avoid fungal spore exposure. Fortunately, this fungus can't alter human
1: brains. <laughs> what if it could? I feel like we would have heard about it if this was like, happening to you. Could you imagine if we just had, like, ant brain? <laughs>
0: Uh, I forgot before we did this uh, column or this uh, third segment how uh, close this is to my research because I also uh, study a fungal disease of honeybees (laughs) um, where it's actually unclear whether or not there's host manipulation or not. So, like I said, host manipulation is really hard to prove. uh, And so there's behavior that is consistent with the idea that the fungus. So essentially um, what it does is it attacks the midgut cells of the honeybee. So in its uh, stomach. Um, and one of the things that it does is it affects their energy levels so that they ask for more nectar from other individuals, but that's also a pathway of transmission. So if people have suggested that that's a way that, uh, it's forcing or manipulating the bee to, uh, transfer spores to other individuals. Um, but that's not really clear. Uh, and the other thing that came to mind when I was, uh, oh yeah. So all of the moribund behaviors that are really cool with, uh, insects. So, uh, ants, I think, um, I think it's Sylvia Kremer who does all the really cool stuff with ant antifungal behaviors. So they have like acids that they can use that they can like spray on each other or like they can spray on larvae that are infected with fungus. Um, Ants also adjust whether or not they like do killing behavior versus like trying to take care of another ant and like actually nurse it back to health based on the severity of like the infections they're able to tell whether or not it's like a severe uh, pathogen or like a less severe pathogen Well, that makes me like the Um, ants so
1: much that sometimes I nurse them back to health that makes the ants seem kind of sweet yeah it's it's that's a very social
0: behavior like you wouldn't see that in most animals like and ants do have the thing where like depending on what they develop they will just leave and so they'll do the self-sacrifice thing I think there's like the paper on bumblebees, where if they get infected with a certain thing, they'll start, like, sleeping outside of the hive. Um, the other thing that'll happen is that if an ant is... So if Paul was covered in fungus, and he was Wait, a fellow just ant, to be clear, A-U-N-T or A-N-T? This isn't anti-diaries. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, uh... <laughs> um. So Paul has a fungus that's on his skin, and it's not going to kill him unless it enters into his actual body. So what we can do while he still just has the fungus on his skin is groom it off and when ants do that they'll groom a little bit of the fungus off but they won't do it all themselves and what that does is the small amount of intake of fungus that they get actually causes certain um is uh, it like an antibody more... it's like a vaccine
1: like they're it's a vaccine yeah actually, yeah
0: yeah so what it does is it essentially like yeah it, it uh it it, pr- it primes them
1: to be able to fight off that so what you're telling me is the ants have gone woke and are doing vaccines now too <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it also causes autism in the ants.
1: (laughs) Um, Um, Has anybody looked into, like, turning this... uh, You're, 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 like, describing how beautiful it is and how these ants... It's making the ants... It's very much personifying them in my mind in a way that makes me feel bad about the fact that I hate ants and want to kill them every time I see them.
0: Oh, I like ants. They're cool. No, I I don't think it should... The goal isn't to personify. I guess what I should say is that they're really cool and they do cool things. But also, I don't know, I think it's more in honeybees. But like the other thing you have to realize is that these diseases still live, like they're still successful. So like, clearly the diseases are still around and they still work. So despite how cool and awesome and seemingly uh, silver
1: bullety the defenses are, they don't work. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because anybody turns this into like a spray I can use on my yard? to make sure all the ants die like why can't i just put this fungus around like i can't just spray a bunch of spores around my yard
0: you probably could because that's essentially what nicole does is she studies termites and parts of the way that she gets funding from studying termite disease behaviors being like we could leverage this to figure out how to just fucking
1: kill those things (laughs) Uh. <laughs> could you imagine you just love this animal and you spend your whole life researching it but the only way to get funding for that research is to pitch it as you're gonna murder as much of well, them as that's possible what I,
0: that's kind of, that's kind of what i was alluding to is that when it comes to animals that are good at like stopping disease spread it seems like the termites are maybe the closest i've seen to being like able to completely eradicate disease every time it comes into their colony and i don't know how those diseases survive but that's kind of the way Nicole pitches it, is that they're, like, very, very adept at, uh, at doing that. Uh, anyways, all right, do you want to do the next one?
1: Yeah, we got the, uh, Adrian, could you believe that a wasp is a parasite? Yeah, that's very common. Okay, well, the next parasite is a <laughs> parasitoid wasp. That's right, a wasp, that's a parasite. That's in, <laughs> in parentheses. Uh from the Epocrita suborder, more specifically a Parasitica group Hippocrita. of the uh what was that? Apocrita? Apocrita? Apocrita, I think, yeah. Parasitica group of that order. Some of these parasites infect spiders. As you may remember, the tarantula hawk attacks spiders. But caterpillars are the preferred host target for other species of wasp. Uh let me read this and then summarize it, because I feel like when I just straight up read it, it comes off so like uh Robotic. Can you do like a David Attenborough voice? Adult female. No. Adult
0: female wasp and caterpillar. caterpillars. You made him so old. He's not the Grim
1: reaper the only- <laughs> <laughs> He is that old Regan. Yeah, old. but I, I don't think that's what people are thinking of when they think David Attenborough. They're thinking like Silky Smooths. like oh, are yeah, talking like a real young Attenborough. Okay. <laughs> you made him sound like he's on death's door and you're like, <clears throat> <laughs> and and these are his last words.
0: <laughs> Do you have any last words, Dave? Don't, don't
1: female, female wasps infect
0: caterpillars <laughs> by overpositing their eggs into their host bodies.
1: Okay, yeah. So these wasps, uh, oh, overpositing. Can you, uh, can you give us a breakdown of what that word means? That's a, that's a, that's a five-dollar yeah. word if I've ever seen one.
0: So ovipositing refers to uh the deposition of eggs and that's one of the fun facts about uh, all aculeate uh, hymenoptera is that the stinger is a modified ovipositor so that's why only females sting in wasps and uh bees and ants is uh it's a
1: modified egg laying device so only the females have it that I mean, we already did like a uh, copying Friends jokes, the show Friends jokes, but like from yeah. that episode where Joey uses a uh, uses a thesaurus to write like a whole source, essay, yeah, yeah. like just be writing a, a recipe for an omelet and using ovipositor the eggs into your frying pan.
0: <laughs> so the reason the ovipositor uh, preceded the stinger uh, is that the ovipositor was evolved in a wasp-like ancestor. In order to very precisely uh, lay eggs in nutrient-rich areas, because normally wasps don't take care of their young, so you want to like leave them somewhere good, they can hatch, they'll figure their shit out. Uh, And then eventually that uh,
1: was derived into a defensive mechanism. So once this caterpillar is uh, parasitized with these eggs, it goes on an eating rampage. It eats for two weeks straight, becoming fairly obese. Yeah, it sounds like me with a uh, low blood sugar. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> the larvae start to consume the blood of the caterpillar, growing, uh, eventually accounting for a third of the host's weight, and they purposefully avoid the vital organs while eating the host, and then they bore their way out of the caterpillar's... uh epidermis which i know means top layer of skin i don't know why i remember that from something but i do other animals have epidermi like that's not just a human word okay that's cool oh no it's pretty generalizable yeah and as they're boring their way out they release a chemical that kind of like stuns the caterpillar into like laying still as they escape uh
0: oh it protects the larva with its own silk that's kind of cool
1: yeah, they start, the larvae start, uh, spinning silk cocoons. Uh, and then the caterpillar starts spinning its silk into the larvae's silken cocoons, like doing work for them to protect them extra. What a simp. And then it guards the larvae in their car- in their cocoon. What a simp. It, aggris- it aggressively protects the very larvae. It aggressively protects the larvae. That's insane. Uh, Is there any more or is that it?
0: That's it. I don't know. Did you want to say any more about that specific example?
1: Yeah. um, That one was probably the scariest one because like you said, the craziest part is when it alters the behavior of the host and that one, it altered it the most. Like it got it to do complex things like spin its own silk into their yeah. cocoon and then defended afterwards all after being eaten from the inside and then paralyzed and exited like that's a lot of like i mean i don't want to
0: be that guy but like and i never watched house but i've seen the clip of him telling a woman that she has a parasite as a way to tell her that she's pregnant but like is this not just a metaphor
1: for parenthood um, am i right folks Reads a short story, Blood Child" by uh, Octavia Butler. Something Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so
0: I think we talked about this earlier, but it's missing some of the examples I know for sure, like cicadas and their zombie thing. Um, or, like, I think there's a crab parasite that, like... So the zomb- the zombie fungus for cicadas makes them uh, call for mates, I think, and that's what gets it to transfer to other individuals. Um...
1: Oh, so it goes male to female from female to male, like, down a chain? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. It gets them to use their mating call to attract uh, uh, individuals, and then, um... And then, shit, what are the other ones that I know of? Uh, I don't know, there's plenty Oh, there's also, like, brood parasites and stuff like that, which are always really cool. Which, also, brood parasites exist in bees and in birds. It's been a, uh, it's a convergent thing, where, uh... For animals that make nests, there's always going to be little cheaters who are like, what if instead of making my own nest, I just
1: laid my eggs in someone else's nest? <laughs> Dude, shout out. To, we need to do more episodes where we talk about weird things animals do, but shout out to those penguins that steal other penguins' rocks to attract females. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, and then shout
0: out to the biggest parasites of all, the uh, 1%.
1: Is it a cop-out if I do the rewind by 15 seconds for my big fact again?
0: (laughs) Big fact, no cap. Landlords are the biggest parasites of all.
1: (laughs) Big fact. Zombie stories are... I'm pretty middling on them, but right now I have more burnout with... I have more burnout with multiverse stories, so if anything, we could probably up the zombie stories. I mean, obviously nobody's going to make something creative, unique, and new, so we've just got to find a balance between superheroes, zombies and multiverses. And then my no cap is that
0: originally we were going to talk about what our um we were going to do Paul and Adrian's declassified zombie survival guide and i was faced with the uh, realization that if the apocalypse happened unless i figured out how to synthesize my own insulin i really only have about a year. So i'd really be doing like <laughs> my year of yes. I'd be doing my like say yes to everything and <laughs> Find new experiences before I die. <laughs> that would yeah, be yeah. You're I not
1: do. allowed to have diabetes in the apocalypse. What you have to have is uh is asthma because I feel like every apocalypse story has somebody who needs their inhaler oh. as like a plot device. Yeah, yeah. No, there's no and diabetics then- <laughs> in there, but I would be the first one at a CVS though. <laughs> there's nobody who's just like allergic to bee stings, so they have to hit themselves with one of those like insulin <laughs> injectors in the middle of Happy a zombie pocket. Yeah, I just got a.
0: I just got uh, prescribed an EpiPen.
1: Oh, really? For what? This is probably for another number For shellfish, I really assume. am too late into this one. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Uh, buddy. yeah. So, uh, every time. <laughs> okay. No, get out of here. Bye. <laughs>